Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Float Your Boat. Brett, I am so happy to be back. You're back, George. I am back, but through a um, a modern marvel of uh, modern technology an and recording an aeroplane. No, no, no. Oh. I mean, no one even noticed I was gone. We kept on pushing out those episodes. We did. We was very tricky. Very tricky indeed. We used a little bit of uh, white man magic. So, uh, so I'm I am absolutely great, uh, happy, and ecstatic to be back and to continue on with another episode of Float Your Boat. Float, Float your, boat. your Boat. So, you know, I had a little bit of a jaunt uh, in Spain and Portugal. And I, you know, one of the things that struck me about my my driving through Spain was um, miles and miles and miles of olive groves. You know, as far as the eye could see, from the Portuguese border all the way to Madrid, they just had so much um, olive and olive oil. And I, m- mind you, I drank um, or tasted a fair bit of wine. Uh, and vine. And you, you know what? Vine. And what goes well with wine? Olive oil and bread. Absolutely. And a few sardines and throwing some tomatoes, throwing some cucumber. So I did my best. I did my best. To, to, to eat try your it way out. through. Well, I was just checking out the standard. So, well, it's funny you should mention that part of your trip because today, George, mm-hmm. we've got an olive oil expert. Yeah, who's that? Her name is Jane Bentivoglio. Jane Bentivoglio. So, Tell us a little bit about her. Where's she from? Jane's an Aussie, but her husband is obviously, um, I would guess, Italian. Bentivoglio. Pretty good guess. And he's a, a neurosurgeon. Uh-huh. Um, in other words, a brain surgeon. I guess. <laughs> well, he's got nothing to work on with you. <laughs> I'm a brain surgeon, but a different type. <laughs> Come on. He's uh, so he, Jane, and uh, and um, her husband met when Jane was a nurse, and they got married, and they had some kids, and they bought a hobby farm at a place called Ralston in New South Wales. Yeah. And her love for olive oil became a business. Right. And a very successful business. In fact, I think in the last week they won, Jane will be able to um, clarify this, but I think they've got one of their olive oils won the best olive oil in the world. Well, it's funny how her hobby turned into a business. That, that couldn't have been easy. So, so the reason we want to talk to her is to find it's obviously her passion mm. and we're all about talking about real people, real stories from the heart mm. and so Jane's the perfect candidate. And, and you know, that's a, one of my favourite subjects, olive oil, being I, I want to ask you lots of questions including, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about what is real olive oil and what's fake. Yep. So, yep. My know. mother-in-law goes on about it because, you know, she comes from the famous uh, region of Kalamata in, um, in the Peloponnese in Greece, and they claim to have the best olive oil. So they have a whole lot of stories about the poor standard of everyone else's olive oil. So um, we're going to hopefully clear that up today. I think we'll road test it. I noticed Jane um, has brought in some uh, bottles of oil and Ooh. some little cups. Ooh. We're going to do a cupping. We're going to be drinking olive oil. Perfect. <laughs> All right, okay, let's, let's get her in. Let's get her in. Oh, 
Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. So Jane, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much, George. It's great to be here. I love your surname, by the way. I know you inherited that surname, but Bentivoglio. Okay, what does it mean? It means I love you. That's hot stuff toots. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that name. Bentivoglio. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up on uh, on Google, of course. I looked uh, the Google God has the answer to everything, and and uh, it was a fantastic surname. Now, you have a uh, an interesting past. How on earth did you get into olive oils? Tell us a little bit about you know your journey. Oh, look, Pete and my husband and I, um, we come out of the health industry and he's still in the health industry. And uh, we decided that we wanted to, um, yeah, do something in agriculture. He needed to stress out, you know, like de-stress, I should say. And um, and I was doing act- um, actually cavernous, um, cadaver dissection workshops for specialists at the time. <laughs> Seriously, oh, really? it was really cool. I loved it. And doing micro, you know, microsurgical stuff for wow. specialists so they could practice their microsurgical skills. So we went from that into, and of course, we're not really big, great people. So we decided to reduce the world's cholesterol. Yeah. And, and that's why we did it. But your husband is also in the medical profession. Yes. He's still in it, thank goodness. Right. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> we, we, well, yes, because it, it, it funded your lifestyle for a bit, didn't it? Uh, well, kept... it, it helps in agriculture because it's um, the olive industry is a really hard industry. And somebody said to me on the first tour that we went on back in um, 1997, don't lose your day job. So it, yeah. There's, you know, I mean, if you talk to any farmers, there's not a lot of, yeah, there's there's not a lot of um, profit really in agriculture unless you're a huge, mm. you know, and um, we're just, yeah, we're small growers up in the central tablelands. So, Jane, let's just go back a step. Um, you said earlier that your husband, you and your husband were interested in, in health, right? How, but he's a surgeon. Yeah, yes, that's right. So what was he most concerned about? Oh, stroke, you know, brain hemorrhage, all of those things from, um, you know, hypertension, what causes, you know, the different factors that cause brain hemorrhage um, and certainly cholesterol, all of that comes into it. And that's where olive oil is perfect because especially good extra virgin olive oil lowers your LDL cholesterol by raising the HDL. It's perfect. Right. And and at the time when you decided to um, get into olive oil, um, it wasn't such a big thing amongst Australians. No, it was just moving, just starting to move. People were, yeah, just starting to buy groves. And we had um, a number of people, of course, always in South Australia, you know, who, and of course, Back then, the olive tree was a weed in South Australia and all the wonderful Italians and Greeks in South Australia used to go up the hills and pick their olives and bring them back down and, um, and now they've, sort of, they've lifted that, that curse off the olive tree in South Australia. Um, but it's a, um, no, it's a very important commodity, olive oil, and it always has been. Yeah, look, I, I do remember being of uh, Greek descent. I do remember having been made fun of for for enjoying olive oil. And I also remember how difficult it was to get, get a hold of olive oil when I was younger. Uh, it seemed like 
part and parcel of our diet, but it was so difficult to find in mm. restaurants, wherever we went. You know, I asked for olive oil and people would scoff at you. If it wasn't butter or margarine, well, stiff bickies. It was a, it was a funny time. But um, today, how would you place Australian olive oils compared to the rest of the world? Oh, we lead, we're leading in the world, you know. Uh, Cobram that you can buy in, in Woolworths, it's fantastic olive oil. Mm. And, um, and those boys have done a fabulous job. Right. Really, they have. Uh, and they're moving and shaking over in the US now as well. I think the, um, the olive oil community coming out of Europe, um, they were very stuck um, in their own little world. Um, and Australia and the new world of, um, of growing olives – we just rose above everybody and, you know, in, and decided to have a much higher standard in, um, in the uh, chemical side of olive oil so that you, you know, always had a better benefit. People talk about, okay, I know we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves here, but chefs hate smoke point. You know, it's very important um, and they didn't like olive oil for that reason. But, you know, smoke point is not a factor in um, excellent olive oil. And in Australia, we make olive oils that are less than 0.2. The extra virgin olive oil um, uh, world standard is 0.8. You have to have an olive oil that's uh, extra virgin olive oil below 0.8 to call it an extra virgin olive oil. There are other factors that come into it, like organoleptically assessing it and that, but and it's to have no defects, but the um, to be below 0.8. And I can tell you that the way that, you know, the Europeans were – harvesting their olives, leaving them on the ground, you know, um, bashing them off the trees, sitting them in and leaving them for days in hessian bags, you know, didn't do anything for the olive oil. And so they had to send a lot of that olive oil off to uh, the refineries because that becomes, um, if it's over 3%, it's a lampante oil. So we have all these different categories for olive oil. You know, you have your virgins and... Well, let's, and, yeah. let's let's go back a bit because okay. uh, we are talking to people. Uh, we're, well, our listeners wouldn't be as expert as you in the in the world of olive oil, and and uh, I don't even profess to go there myself. Um, but you were talking percentages earlier, relating to what? What were those percentages relating to? You well, said our- it's a free fatty acid. So so there's no other oils in the world that have to have the standards are uh, met by um, an, in, an internationally accredited laboratory. There's no other oil in the world. Um, extra virgin olive oil has to have a stamp of less than 0.8% free fatty acid and it has to have an organoleptic assessment by eight people, blind tasted, no defects, to say that it's extra virgin olive oil. So Australia set up our code of practice standard and if you have a look at the back of any any good extra virgin olive oil from Australia, it has to have that triangular label on it that says that it, it is an Australian code of practice standard. So, Jane, are you saying that all of this talk about bad olive oils is it, in Australia it doesn't really exist? Like- no. you. Of course, everybody can have a bad olive oil, hmm. you know, um, but the majority of our oils... Are fantastic, and in the show this year, there were forty out of two hundred gold medals. You right. know, and, and these have been judged by international judges. That's fantastic. So in a oli- show, so the olive oil that you buy in the supermarket, there's how do people figure out what's good and what's not? 
Well, hopefully they will choose an Australian olive oil. Right. So that sets them up to be buying something that's superb anyway. Okay. Mm. They're going to buy Cobram or Red Island. I mean, that's a great olive oil out of the supermarkets. But there's also medium and small growers that are producing fantastic olive oils. And um, and you won't find them in Woolworths. Yeah, right. You might find them in, you know, the independent grocers, a few of those, but the high-end delis or off their websites, you know, things like that. And, and that's what we want to do is support producers in Australia. And now a word from our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, uh, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joe's. Yes, Mungrel Joe's. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. It brings out the mongrel in you. <laughs> God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mongrel <laughs> That's Joe's. my line. No, That's no, your no, line. No, <laughs> mongrel <laughs> Joe's is the best taste experience ever. It's 100% Australian. And not only is it a performance coffee, it's strong and smooth. Like me, of course, George. <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth. The world's greatest coffee. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot. Excuse the pun. No, no, no. You didn't have to say that. Well, it's you printed it on the page. You're George. on. You're on fire, Brent. I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put put it put in a discount code, float your boat, and you will get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat. One word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungrel Joe's. I'm telling you, folks, aside from this great script that George wrote. <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Mungrel Joe's, it's, it's the best. First of all, it's never a hobby. It was always a huge business because right. we, you know, look, uh, I suppose it helped me in the fact that in the health industry, you have very high standards because if you don't, people die. Mm. So, and I've always embraced audits and, and um, being an old okay. operating room nurse, you know, you had to have the highest standards. So I took that experiential background into olive growing and we decided that we wanted to be organic. So that was a really hard task. Um, unfortunately, New South Wales or the east coast of Australia has a lovely bug called lace bug, which you find in azaleas. And um, we're still trying to work out how to get rid of the little buggers. But yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that, they're the biggest taskmasters, really. We just cannot fight them. And that that's why it's very hard for people like me to stay organic. We stopped being organic in 2010. Right, and that's because it's imp it's almost impossible. I absolutely think. impossible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
so once again the word organic gets used fairly freely and oftentimes it's just a marketing well no 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 I actually still have my Ralston um, Australian organic label and and I purchase oil under that label so that I have you know that brand still going but mm. it's um and th- and I only get that from certified organic growers right and they're you know growers that have a lot more money to spend on their crop and it costs a lot more money to buy that oil you know um, and hence that's why organics is always that little bit more expensive but to be honest um, we grow our our you know olives pretty naturally you know um, and I really think that there should be a second tier of natural um, yeah, natural right. products yeah well let's go back into let's go back to the very beginning I mean uh, okay so you made a decision to create an olive grove. That's right. Well, it's. It, I'm, I'm assuming it's not information you had in your head beforehand. Like, how did no. you actually learn what you had to, what you had to learn in order to apply it and build a farm? Like so that? it starts, I suppose, with a bit of a green thumb. I love gardening. Oh, that's but good. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and basically, I decided to run workshops because I needed to learn. So Department of Primary Industry, um, some wonderful fellows from there and uh, Robert Spooner Hart from University of Western Sydney, they all came and every year I ran a workshop um, so I could learn because I, and I thought, well, everybody else, if I need to learn, so do they. And so I went from there and then I joined up um, and applied at um, Sydney Uni at Orange back then and started horticulture. Um, so, yeah, so I sort of learnt on the hop as I was going. But... But was it a before you started? What was the trigger for you and and hubby to to do it? Yeah, um, we wanted somewhere to escape, and um, and Peter needed to walk through the the trees and step out, you know, to make sure that I had put the five by eight meter spacings correctly in the grove and, you know, lined up the trees. He needed that, you know, he Mm. was doing his neurosurgery and he wasn't getting any stress relief. So Mm. that worked really well for him. And then it put a huge load on me stress wise to make it all work. And so we, uh, we've been embracing it ever since. You built your olive grove in stages and uh, your first planting involved how many trees? Oh, 6,000 trees, yeah. It's not a right weekend. Right off the bat. It's not, a, wow. it's, not a, it's not a weekend of gardening, is it? No, it took me um, about eight months to set up the grove for that first planting. And, um, and we, you know, uh, prepared all the whole sites and then, of course, had to line up all the tree stakes, and then we planted. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of that of that period of time, we um, then realised that it was a hundred years to the virtually the week that we planted, hundred years before Peter's grandparents arrived in Australia. So okay. we had an extra glass yeah, of wine that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You know, Look, there are many um, species of of um, olive, oh, yes. olive trees. Oh, absolutely. And, and they're used for a variety of purposes. So mm-hmm. how did you know which one to choose? How did you like, – how, how do you determine which is the right olive tree for your soil, your region? Well, that was that? a hard one. That was a hard one. See, we're up at 750 metres, so – 
we're and we're on the same um, latitude as Israel, right? Mm-hmm. So if they can grow olives in Israel, then I can grow olives in Australia on the same on the same latitude, right? Okay, mm-hmm. on the similar latitude, north and south. So what happens then is that you then um, try and source your trees from areas that are already been growing them. So we had a, um, some Olives Australia people up in Queensland, people that had pulled big old olive trees out of the dirt and then propagated them and um, made a nursery up and we bought some trees from them. And, of course, what they pulled out of the ground, they didn't really know what they were pulling out of the ground. They were just trees that had arrived there 100 years before Um we also had another fellow who actually planted most of uh, Cobram's trees in the end, um, and he was from Israel. And I have some beautiful Barnea oil, which is um, that olive. And I thought, well, if they can do that in Israel, then I can do it here in, in Ralston. So I put in 3,000 of those trees. And I decided to put in some Spanish as well. Um, and a number of Italian varieties in my second planting. So it's it's important to have different different um, cultivars because you olives don't um, pollinate with bees. The the flowers are too small. Not even our little bush bee will get inside that pollen uh, or get inside that flower. Um, and uh, so it's wind pollinated, and you need a lot of cross cross pollination from different varietals. So does it um, does it take different types of care for each type of no not really we try and keep them all streamlined the same i mean the barna you can grow it like a pine tree right but um it didn't suit me that um what people are now doing is is cultivating their or growing their trees so that they can either be grown on trellises like vines um like grapevines and then they have an over the row harvester um, or they've got plenty of money and they can buy a Colossus harvester like Cobram have, 20-odd Colossus harvesters, and they run them 24 hours a day. And I don't know if you've seen that lovely photo of them, you know, it's 20 in a row. And it's like it's like driving into a car wash. Those Colossus machines are as big as a car wash. And they just, they just and they ride run over them. the top. They ride over the top <laughs> yep. and they run for 10 weeks to do their harvest. Wow. It's the biggest grove in the world wow. we have in Australia. But do they uh, – do olives uh, – the olives ripen all at the same time or do they – No, they, they don't. They, right. No. So those, those harvesters pick – so you choose in your grove. So when, when the harvester comes in, we have a shaker that comes in and I send him to, um, you know, the part of the grove that is a, flowers early, so ripens early, you know. There's yeah. about a 26-week um, time lag between when you have fruit set or full bloom and when, you, when I want to harvest. And we're also restricted because being up at 750 metres, we've got frost coming in. So Anzac Day is it for me and, right. um, and we start yeah, um, harvesting at Anzac Day. And we go for about, well, this year we did 10 days of it, shaking trees. And so we start with the early pollinators and then, yeah. And you have a machine that comes along. <coughs> yeah, and, and shakes the trees, big right. umbrella. Yep. yep. And yep. it, it's all automated. So you, you, you have minimum requirement for labour. 
No, well, there's two of us that are out in the Grove, yep. you know. One's watching what the guy's doing. It's not the and old not... Greek, Greek way no, 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 of hitting no. the tree with a stick. No, because, you know, yeah, it um, hitting the trees with a stick actually wrecks the trees. It's a bit like... The over-the-row harvesters do the same thing. They have beaters. You know, you can imagine going through and being slapped about by Mm. rods in a car wash. It's just like that. But what I found when we we tried that was that um, the rods come in and you really have to prune your trees perfectly for these over-the-row harvesters. Otherwise, they come in, they shove the, the beaters into the canopy of the tree and just lift the tree out of the ground. Wow. It's a bit like brushing your hair, brushing matted hair and putting the brush into the... the uh, and just pulling on it. And it just, yeah, you can't go anywhere except, yeah, pulls your hair out. Yeah, it's now, the same thing. Now, there are different, um, I mean, obviously there are different olives. Um, do they produce a different colour of olive oil? Can uh, we get over the colour bit? The colour bit is not important. I don't know. I mean, people talk about <sighs> colour a lot. So tell us, okay, tell us so, what is important. Well... Well, what is important is the that you like the olive oil. That's right. what's important, that it's an extra virgin olive oil that you like. And that's why I have my four blends mm-hmm. so that you can buy the four and you can choose any of those oils to make anything you want at any time. Because, you know, your palate changes all day long. So the best time for if you're actually going to taste olive oil is 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, it's yep. 20 past. Yeah, we're running we, late. We're, we're, <laughs> we'll be cracking open so a few the, bottles soon. But the, no, the thing is that, you know, Monday you might make a dish with um, my Crooked River yep. blend. And then Thursday you might make the same dish, but, you know, your emotions changed and, you know, you want, you know, something. You want a glass of red wine with it and, you know, it's getting later on in the week. So the Murray Darling's great. You know, it's a bit more robust and, you know, your, your, your palate fairly, changes. I'm, I'm fairly steady, Jane. Are you? But I can't say that for my wife. <laughs> Us girls were very emotional. So, you know, we change with the wind and so, that's why I have so many different blends. It's wonderful. So it's, so it's, it's consumer-driven in some ways. Mm, but, absolutely, yeah. But also, does it, do we Australians like a different taste of olive oil than the Greeks or the Italians or the Israelis? Or, do you okay. Think um, I suppose that I could answer that truthfully in saying that the old piquoir that used to come from Spain tasted like cat's piss smells. Seriously. Right. Seriously. It has that sort of, you know, that... Um, and it's been a while you know, since I tasted cat's piss. Well, that's right. It's the smell of it, but that's what it tastes like. But that's a that's the old European way. They've cleaned up that act now, so yeah, that yeah, have. and they it have. doesn't taste like that anymore. No. But boy, oh boy, was it strong! And you know, mm. it was it was awful. And, I, I just um, come back from five weeks being over there in Greece and Spain and Portugal, and uh, I've got to say, the Spanish, the EU, have pumped a lot of money into helping the Spaniards. Improve oh, their olive yeah. growing. Well, they've always had subsidies, and that's been our biggest problem. You and know, that is a problem, isn't yeah, it? Because no absolutely. one's subsidising you, I presume. Well, we get our little subsidies in in small ways, like you know, you do workshops, um, and DPI will help people pay for their little workshop, you know, or not pay for my workshop, but actually provide some funds for them to do different 
different um, courses and things, you know, um, water water courses and things like that yes. and, and um, in all different areas of agriculture. That's the only real subsidy we get. Yeah, so. So all of this olive oil talk, let's let's talk more about you. Oh, mm. me. Yeah, I'm a, my, deep and my dark. My question is, I mean, you, you come across as very balanced and and, uh, and, um, and cool and calm, but I'm sure in the early days, what was going through your head? How were you feeling? What was your biggest fear? Well, it was exciting, you know. It was really exciting and it still is because, um, you know, I get that same excited feeling in spring every year because whatever happened... So Last I, year, but my wife doesn't oblige. Um, <laughs> anyway. Spring, it's got nothing to do with mating and birds and things. Oh, okay. I don't think that was that. No, no, no. Oh, that but, sort of. Oh, oh, okay. I try and tell my kids, you know, my sons, um, that you know, when you, t- it's, it's a, it was a risk. We took this risk, and we were always, you know, taking risks. And it's like, it's like catching a wave. You know, when you want to catch that wave and surf it into the shore. Mm. It's like, you know, you swim so hard to catch the wave. Well, I do anyway. Swim so hard to catch that wave. And when you've caught it and you're at the top of the wave and you think, oh, God, here we go, Mm. you know, hold on for Mm. dear life. And that is how I felt all the time, you know, every time something new would come along and, you know, hit me in the face with another problem or an issue. And you've got to turn it into a positive all the time. And that's what I try and do all the time is turn things into positives. So you're you're you've got two kids, three boys, three boys. Yeah. Right. So with, so when you started this venture, they were little. Well, uh, Nick was fourteen. Yeah, Alistair was thirteen. Marcus was twelve. Yeah. Well, I hope they helped you a lot. Oh yes, they they were made to. <laughs> <laughs> they were made to. Oh, yeah. So they're they're all grown up now, and that's right. Are they involved still? Um, they tell me how to do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Really? <laughs> They're wonderful, actually. They're very proud and they get very excited when, you know, something happens like, you know, with our big awards just last week. But, um, no, when, when I ask them for a bit of help, you know, from the business side of things, I get roused on all the time. Now, Mum, this is how you've got to do it. You know, I'm telling you right now, if you don't listen to me, don't bother coming back and asking me another question. Well, you know, it's so pretty black and white. It's typical yeah. of three boys. And it's... Gen Y. <laughs> so, so, how, so how old are the boys now? Uh, 36, 35 and 33. And what are they? Are they living in this? Um, well, no, there? they're living all around the world. Nick's wow. in New York. Yeah. Um, he was an opera singer and uh, and now he didn't want to be a poor muso anymore. So he's doing like real estate and investment um, real estate stuff. Mm. Alistair's in London and he's a in consultancy banking and uh, and Marcus is here and he's a director at Sky. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. So yeah. now they're all grown up, so it's just you and Peter plugging away. Yeah, this. and I say that to the boys, you've left me behind with your father. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'm so busy. That's what your wife says all the time and your children, don't <laughs> You've left me. me behind, yeah. George. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what were your biggest challenges uh, then uh, in in the early days and and setting up the farm? Look, since you set set up the olive grove, yeah. what have been your biggest challenges? Or, or what was the lowest point? 
Mm. during this journey. I mean, you know, you've, we're looking I, at your successful... I think lace bug and crops that, you know, having years where we didn't have any pollination due to those hot, dry winds, you know, they just burn up um, the flowers. Having smoke from the bushfires that just ruin pollination as well. Um, and, of course, if you've got olive olives on the trees and, and you've got bushfires around you, the smoke just goes straight into the oil cells in the in the in the olives, um, I think marketing was uh, is, is has to be one of the biggest challenges an olive grower you know has. We decided to be um, vertically integrated by having the olive press, which yep. we set up in two thousand, and mm. we set it up in the shed first with a little four hundred and fifty kilo an hour machine, and then sorry two hundred fifty kilo an hour machine, and then we went to the big one tonner. Uh, 1.2 ton it does if you've got you know great fruit going through with lots of oil but um a lot of people have a have a have an olive that's called manzanillo that is just shocking to um to process and it takes forever you get a small amount of oil out of it it sort of makes like a big pink milkshake when you put it through processing and it just you know there's just bubbles everywhere and it's just hard for pumps and you know, it's um, and it is disappointing. It can make some beautiful oil, but it's a table olive, you know. So yeah. it's um, it makes lovely table olives. It's the little round ones that look like little apples, you know. Let's just walk through. Let's just walk through um, the way you've seen uh, olives grown and processed in other countries or in other places, and compare that to the way you think they should be processed. Because I know from my background in the coffee industry, the very things you mentioned earlier about, you know, people picking olives, putting them in bags and, and leaving them around, lying in the sun for three, four days, people do in the coffee industry as well. So tell me about the things that you have seen and were absolutely shocking and it was still being marketed as, as top grade olive oil. So tell me. Oh, look, it's just um, in their processing side, um, they... You know, there's a lot of small growers also in uh, in Europe, and it's uh, and they can't get all their fruit off the trees, all the you know at the right time. You've got really a 24 hour time period to get the fruit off and get it, get it into the processor. So these um these guys, yeah, as we said, stick them in bags or put them in boxes, and they bring them in. And um, and I'm not saying that all the olives um, produce terrible oil, but that's why they have so many refineries in Europe. Yeah. You know, because the free fatty acid is over 3%. And so in the standards of olive oil, if you have a free fatty acid over 3%, it's a lampante oil, which comes from the old word, the lamp oil. Okay. Oh, so so it's, an, it's inedible oil. It is absolutely inedible oil. So they have to send it off to the refinery and then they f fill it with, you know, caustic and solvents and, and they cook it up. You know, they make a soapy mixture out of it. And then they cook it up and distill all of that, um, all of those toxins off it, and you're left with a totally inert product. But surely you, that's not absolutely. This is what happens. But surely that's not labelled extra virgin. No, olive no, no, oil. no. It's no, not. No, 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 no. So what they do with that inert product is they add. Well, first of all, they deodorise it. Yes. And then they put it in a bottle, and you buy it in the supermarket as light olive oil. Yes, that's stuff right. that's inedible. That's. I think but so. it's been refined, so it's not inedible now. But they might as well get some paraffin and do it. Same thing with it, yeah, you know. Right. The other thing they do is they take that refined product after they've deodorized it, and they put ten percent virgin oil in it 
So it has a bit of colour and it has a, bit of a little free fatty acid profile and they put that in a in a bottle or in a tin and it's pure olive oil. So that's well, that's what people are talking about. Well, that's what everybody was well, used what, to. Well, that's what my mother-in-law goes on about, how she claims that the Greek extra virgin olive oil is being bought by the Italians and the Spaniards and they they mix it in with their their product. So yeah. mu- they must be mixing it in. They do, but they also, oil. what's happened in Italy now is um, all the Ch- Chinese have bought up all the big companies in Italy. There's not one Italian, Batoli, everybody over there is owned by Chinese. So you really need to go to the medium and small growers to actually get some, you know, um, true, authentic Italian, yeah, olive oil. But they also... Um, buy their olive oil from Tunisia as well. See, in Puglia, they've got this terrible, terrible disease. So this is what we've all got to be very careful about. And you know how we have um, – you can't bring flowers or fruit into different states in Australia. Well, mm. biosecurity is really getting heavy now and um, we don't want any of those terrible bacterial um, diseases mm. that they have in Puglia. They've got to pull out their trees. So they've knocked out. It's knocked out the industry there. Oh yeah, it's knocking it out. Yeah, left, right, and centre. And they've just found the disease in Mallorca, and I think in Portugal. So it's the same as similar to the bee problem. Yeah. Uh, well, the bees have been wiped out because of um, and well, yeah, due to Roundup and you know yeah. all those terrible chemicals. But um, this is actually a bacterial infection that comes out of the grape industry, to be honest. Right. And it just gets in and just kills the trees and they, they can't find anything to stop it except to destroy the trees. And um, and then you've got to let the ground settle oh, wow. and then replant, I suppose, later and, on. And we're talking about trees that are hundreds of years old. And that's the sad thing. That Yeah. Now, is it true that, that the older an, an olive tree gets, the better oil it produces? Not necessarily, no. no. I didn't think so. Yeah. I, I couldn't work out why that would be so. But you can actually still have um, olives on a 500-year-old tree. I mean, tr- our trees are 20 years old and they're still babies. Yeah. You know, the trees that, um, around Tuscany, and they're 300 years old. And they're um, and you rejuvenate them all the time. Mm. So that's and they make beautiful oil. So yeah. I saw some um, um, olive trun- uh, tree trunks that were just huge mm. in Greece. They were absolutely huge, yet they didn't have much of a top to them because they they were pruned back every so often, and they were still bearing a lot of fruit. It was amazing. They, yeah. The, they kind of looked like dead tree trunks, yet. Mm. They were still flourishing, if that makes sense. Well, that's because the olive tree is actually a bush and it likes to grow as a bush. So we actually make it grow as a tree with one trunk for mechanical harvesting. Right. Okay. So that's the modern harvesting techniques. But you'll find with those old trees that have these really beautiful gnarly trunks and they have their three or four branches, you know, their vase shape, they want that shape so they bring in a shaker to actually do limb shaking. So there's there's reasons for for them doing that. Right. So they can shake that limb. And we've got some trees down in the Grampians like that 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 have been in for about 80 years and um, down at Toscana and they've got trees like that that they have to limb shake only. Right. Yeah. Right. So of all of the blends you make, is there one in particular that you is your favourite? Look, no, I love all my blends, you know. I love them all. 
and I, and I'm a woman who is emotional, and I will choose a different you know oil for cooking the same thing at different times, all the time, and that's how I promote my oils um, with people. So here's the thing: do they change dramatically over time in the bottle? Um, particularly after opening? Absolutely. They do. Yeah. So, so you have two types of rancidity. You have your oxygen and the heat. Right. That, so yeah, how do we changes best, it. How do we best look, da- look after olive oil? Because the problem Eat is... Eat it quickly. Well, right. Because you, <laughs> right. you, you, buy, you buy a 750 ml bottle, you can't really use it up in a couple of days. Um, no, so how but, would you yeah. store it? Would you vacuum? No, no, no. Just no. leave it as it is, but just put the lid back on all in the time. Dark, keep it away. Buy it in a dark bottle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But generally keep it don't a... keep it for more than 12 months. Oh, my goodness. You should have used probably 12 bottles in that time, Well, especially some... with four people mm. in the family. Yeah, some easy. People That's... Some people rarely use olive oil. They'll buy a bottle well, of olive oil. They need to eat it more because it's so good for you. Rather than, than, yeah. than all the other crappy oils they sell, peddle. I, I can, I, yes. Was that a swear word, Brett? No, I said crappy. Yeah, no, that's no. what I mean. That's no. not a swear word. <laughs> fuck's a no. swear word. <laughs> oh, that $50 in the jar, thanks. It's oh, my, my drink goodness. Money. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, but a, actually, there's a question for you. What's your favourite swear word? When you're cussing up on the FFS? Park. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I get into a lot of F- trouble with FFS. F- for fuck's sake. Oh, but I oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, I have that, to learn that, to say the, FFS rather to, than. I'll have to put um, that little red explicit thing on this episode. People that, will think Jane's oh. like. No, Jane used to, I bet Jane used to say that every time she saw you turning up when you know, when she was over at your sister's place. I mean, no, over no, at no I only learned to swear <laughs> at the hospital when I was a nurse. No, really, seriously, yeah. So you were you were um, like a, you know a swear virgin until that point. Swear virgin, absolutely. Yeah. A swear. <laughs> I swear, God. And then I went from that to extra virgin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Jane, I've got, we've got a couple of quick end questions. Well, I have one more oil for I, you to taste. Oh, okay. It's very yeah, important it on, because this is Australia's champion oil. Well, well and while we're doing oh, this. Oh, oh okay. Oh, so well, I bought well, in we, Australia's champion oil 2017. Were we supposed to? Well, okay. okay. Yeah, let's try it. We, we couldn't pick it. I mean, we, so you haven't had it yet? Well, the... No. the, the, the the thing is, how do you? I mean, how could you give them okay, a rating? Okay, so they're so distinct. How could you give them a rating out of ten, for example? Because they all have each of the ones I've tried so far have distinct characteristics. You know why? And as you say, for different times of the day, or yeah. different times of the week, or different times of the month. Yeah, but you know exactly why, right. You know why? Yeah. Because and when you're judges, pregnant, don't try olive oil because why? I mean, don't go tasting it professionally because you're so emotional that um, you just have no. And no, and no decent palate at really? times. Yeah, yeah. That's why things always taste weird when you're pregnant. And you, Not that you quite remember, George, but yeah. No, 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 no. I, I didn't. Well, I, I did share my wife's pregnancies. I got fat. Yeah, too. that's right. <laughs> so, so now this oil is really interesting. All right. Because it's a, another, you. it's another Thank single you. variety. Cheers. And Cheers. it's at one uh, best Italian. Blend in Australia, and it won best Southern Hemisphere oil, Fantastic. and best a champion Australian. Best, best Italian. That's Italian well because name yeah, Italian no, it olive? was. I submitted it into the competition as a straight Italian blend. Okay, it's not a blend; it's just straight Italian varietal. And normally, in my eastern paddock where I have two thousand trees, um, 
I always um, harvest them later. They're the last ones I harvest. So we always did our Italian blend. Uh, no, sorry, our Eastern Paddock blend. And um, all my staff, we're always tired and they go, oh, we're going to put this in. It's just going to be all in together, Eastern Paddock blend. And I said, no, not this year. I want to actually, because I've got Lachino out there and Coratina and Frantoio and Pendolino. So I said, no, 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 this year we are doing varietal storage, processing and storage. Oh, well, we have to look for more storage now. Okay. So we did and... This is my Frantoyo, which took out the show. It's got a, um, it's got a strong after, like after. It's really smooth. Well, you've probably got a bit of a build-up of yeah, polyphenols right. in your mouth too now, which it's is not, yeah. It wasn't. It's not a, not as sharp as the um, the no, previous it's, one. It, yeah. it doesn't. It, but it's slightly peppery, slightly, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's well balanced. Mm. So well rounded. My. Um, my descriptors for this were was on the nose. There was a lot of cinnamon, and it was quite sweet. Mm. It's so well balanced, but you get that sort of warm cinnamon yeah, yeah. in the back of your throat. It's really, yeah. You need a glass of water. Now, would it, would I, would I be would it be uh... <laughs> coughing is polyphenols? Because <clears throat> really? I'm a judge as well. Not that I've judged this year, but um, you always know when your mate next to you in the same judging group starts to cough, you think, oh, right, okay, that's a heavy, that's a robust, okay. (laughs) Have here, need a break. I have some, uh, like, I've now accumulated, I've now accumulated four cups of your lovely olive oil, and with yours, Brett, that makes eight. Would it be, would it be a a mortal sin to put them all together in the one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you. We're not paleo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank God for that. So, so I don't think we really need to ask Jane what floats her boat. I think we know. Do we not? Olive what floats oil? my boat? Well, I tell you, what's floated my boat was winning Australia's Champion Oil. That's yeah, so fantastic. What does that What does that look like? Tell Tell me what that feels like. What does it look like? Oh, How will that impact it was your business? So exciting. Well, okay. So, from a marketing point of view, you know, everybody would be keen. I hope to, um, yeah, buy our olive oils and. Um, I think it's just it, – it's a reward for hard work. And, I mean, we've won a number of, you know, uh, medals over the years since I started um, processing olive oil. and um, But this year winning Australia's champion is just, you know, just, you know, best actor. What can you say? Yeah. Hollywood. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's it's wonderful. That's great. So, um, yeah, my staff are so excited and we, you know, because it is hard. Processing is so hard. You know, we, we work – uh, 20 hours a day and we run two shifts, you know, and we're out, I'm, I'm out in the paddock with another fellow and, you know, we've got to bring the bins in and, you know, decide what to do and mm. then I've got staff on the press and then sometimes I'll start the processing in the morning then I'll go out in the paddock and um, and I have, you know, Ian who's been with me. I've got some wonderful staff. There's Ian and Helen have been with – Helen's been with me since we planted the trees. Prue – Prue's been with me since I planted. Oh, she's been a friend for years. We rode together, and she's wonderful. And um, so she's uh, no, she's a great mate. And and Anne Marie, they've been with me for a long time, helping me. Anne Marie helps me over in Adelaide. Prue helps me here. Um, then we've got Ian, who's our processing manager. He's been with me for sixteen years. Uh, Booker, our book of knowledge. Well, what His is- name's Mark, but we call him Booker, and he's been with me for fourteen years. On and off for 14 years. He'd say 16, but he's come and gone. (laughs) 
And then I've got other staff that, um, mm. yeah, have come and gone and, you know, they're what wonderful. A, I'm very lucky. What a fantastic team. But, so, well, I'm very lucky. So, and Jane... And, of course, I've got my husband who's supposed to be my silent partner, but he's not very silent. I should imagine not. So he comes up to the grove and he checks out the trees and makes sure that this, and he always comes back with a problem. Of course. <laughs> but that would be in yeah. his nature And it, I have this, yeah, this most wonderful rock wall. You guys will have to come up and sit on my rock wall Yeah. Well, and look over the grove. You've probably seen it on Facebook, yeah, you know. I have, yeah. I have my glass of wine. I always take a photo of this single glass of wine there on my rock wall well, looking I've, over the grove. Well, I promise you I'll, I'll, I'll come over and uh, sit on your rock wall as long as you have some mighty fine wine. Oh, yeah. I, Beautiful wines. I can bring my own, mm. but we'll mix. Mudgy and Ralston wines, beautiful. So, Jane, before you go, how do people find your wines and how do they buy them? They're not wines, you know, Jockey. How do they find your olive wine. oil? See, as soon as you said wine, I was off in another. Oh, there you go, red it's, wine. So how do they find? On the website, we've got Stockers. Which is? What's the website? Um, www.rylestoneolivepress.com.au. Yep, and they can buy from there, right? Yes, they can buy it through Facebook on on the a Facebook page, Ralston right. Olive Press. Okay. We've got a little warehouse down the bottom of Camaray here. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, so people can just call in. Yeah. There's some um, lovely girls that work with us um, from Picket and Plough okay. and Gift and Co that run hampers, and um, they're doing. Okay, cool. Yeah, our oils are down there. Um, we're in, you know, a lot of high-end supermarkets. Well, not supermarkets, delis. delis and, right. Yeah, so – or they can just ring us at um, the Olive Press, yep. which is 0263-791-485, and um, we'll tell them where they can find it in their area or they can buy it straight from us and we'll Fantastic. send it to them. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Jane, I, I, I don't know if you – I didn't look, but did you give me a favourite song? A favorite. Okay, my favorite song is the boxer. Uh, really? So, yes, Fantastic. yes. Okay, well. And did he tell you a lovely you man? The first stanza. <laughs> no, no, no. A lovely man up at Louis at our verse. A verse. <laughs> no, no, no. Our love. It's the Lila Lie that I like yeah, the best. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> there's this lovely man up at um, Louis, um, who actually wrote Chucky's Oil song to that. Melody. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, None are stuffed or pickle well, boys. We're, we're Ollie, Ollie, Aussie olives make best oils. La la la. We're going to put a. Uh, we're going to put the original on. Oh, cool. So we're going to run out with that. So Jane, thanks. Thanks for mm. coming. Thanks for driving three and a half hours to come and share that. Uh, you know, share your amazing story. And I'm not apologising for going silent in the last couple of minutes because I'm busy he's, stuffing my he's face been with stuffing your olive, olive oil. <laughs> my red <laughs> olive oil. I'm going to give you a bottle good. to take home to your oh, mum, mother-in-law. Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, George. Jane. Thanks, Brett. It's wonderful. <laughs> Just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I have squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. No more than a boy in the company of strangers in 
in the quiet of the railway station, red and scared. Laying low, seeking out the poorer quarters where the ragged people go, looking for the places only they would know. By the Asking only workmen's wages, I come looking for a job, but I get no offers. Just to come on from the wars on Seventh Avenue. I do declare there were times when I was so lonesome, I took some comfort there. La 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 la. La 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 